this morning, today, here in person and online. Please stand and join with us in singing this morning.
Father, thank you for that reality that we can rest in your presence, knowing that you're the promise keeper. And that your son gives us hope. And that you have this exponential love for us that we can't even understand because of your vast being. And then you're also transcendent in that you want a personal relationship with each of us, God. So I thank you for that. I thank you for your son. I thank you for the power in his name that he holds. Father, we love you. We all pray together. Amen. Jesus.
Amen. Welcome, church. Aren't you glad to be here today? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. You may be seated, please, as we continue. We want to thank you for joining us here in person and online today. God is good all the time. He's always good, right? God is moving. Uh, we've seen a, a number of people that are starting to feel more and more comfortable to come out. And uh, I want to thank God for that. Would you rejoice with me for that? Many people are making their return. <clears throat> so I want to invite all those that are watching online. A good goal, a good goal is that uh, Easter. I want to encourage, let's just pack this place out on Easter. And, um, and, and we're looking at adding another service on. We'll, we'll get more details to you on that. But we want to just make a place for everybody to be here and return. This is our one-year mark. Can you believe that? One year ago, they came out and said, shut everything down. And uh, that was on a Friday. We kept one extra service up. We kept the weekend open that weekend. And we kept going. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was a powerful weekend here. And then, uh, then three days out, or the next day, three days after that, they said no gatherings more than ten people. So we, we shut down, and we did that for a while, and we did that till May, and then uh, we started having parking lot services. We said that it's important for the body of Christ to gather. There's there's health of believers to gather, and so it's important. So we began to do that, and then we moved back in the building in June, and I want to thank God for how He's been with us. Amen. God has been with us. Give Him the glory. I've said this before, and I'll just repeat it, that, um, you know, that that shutdown, we will never do that again. Um, You can come in a hazmat suit. Um, I might be in a hazmat suit, but we will never shut the doors of the church again. Amen? To God be the glory. And um, and we're just going to keep going, keep going for God, because God's called us to do this. And so we are glad that you're here. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness this year. I know it's uh, it's been hard. We've been trying to shepherd our congregation, half at home, half in the building, um, all over the place. We have Wednesday night. We have things happening all over the place. But uh, we are we're looking Easter. We're going to really launch some new things, some new thoughts coming the week after Easter. And uh, and I want you to be prepared to be in on it. You know, typically in summer the church pulls back a little bit because people are running. Um, look out, this plane is taking off, and I want you to be on it with us. Okay, uh, we are we are going. We are, there's new heights, there's new ground that God wants us to capture, and uh, there's going to be some new and exciting things. And God's going to lay some things on your heart, and I want you to go with it and do what God's called you to do this summer um, in, in between your vacations, all right? Uh, it's all good. I was last week in Orlando. I had to go to a prayer conference, a prayer meeting with a few pastors in, in, in Orlando. And I want you to know that is my favorite place to pray, all right? You can pray in Orlando wonderfully in February. So we were down there, and uh, we, we spent a week down there. Chuck Green did a great job last week, did he not? Thank God for Chuck Green. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, and then then uh, we came back and we're excited about what God is doing here. I'd like to welcome you if you're, this is your first time here. Please stop by our welcome center. We have a gift we'd like to give you just to say thank you for being here. Um, Crossroads has a lot to offer for you and your family, and we'd like to help you uh, make all those connections. So stop by our welcome center in the foyer. And then we have Easter coming up. You know, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we do that, we try to do some things to help you as, uh, as we get to that mission. One of the things that we have coming up is on, uh, on March the 27th, we're having this extravaganza. 
It's an Easter egg hunt. There'll be 10,000 eggs out on the field. They're going to have kids up here all day long. It's a total outdoor event. They're going to give them candy, and then they're going to give them Jesus, okay? So they're going to share the message of Jesus, and it's through a scavenger hunt. And the kids will just have the greatest time. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, if you can help in any way, you say, well, I can't be here on that day. Stop by the table anyhow. Uh, Chrissy and Kim will be out at the table, and you'll see that there's many ways that you can get involved. Maybe you can help by donating a prize. Somebody told me that we're going to give away a, a switch. Do you know what that is? Not a light switch. I think it's a Nintendo switch, okay? So somebody donated a switch, a brand new switch, and they're going to, whatever that is, they're going to give that away, all right? Um, So these type of things that the kids will have for prizes, and uh, if you can help out with anything, uh, stop by. There's yard signs. They have them. You can put them in your yard. It says extravaganza and how that they can get involved. So please register your kids online for that. Uh, Spread the word. I tell people, put that on social media. I think that's great. But the greatest way that somebody receives an invite is by you talking to them. Hi, would you come to this extravaganza? Your kids might like this. And uh, I guarantee you that they will. Okay, and then we're going to go Good Friday. Easter is the following week. Good Friday, that's April the 2nd, is uh, Friday, Good Friday. We'll be here at 7 o'clock. We'll have an evening of worship. And it's just going to be a great time. It's a time of reflection. Now, Good Friday is the day that we remember the sacrifice. Easter, we remember the resurrection. And so we're going to, we never, we never remember the sacrifice without the resurrection. But we're going to focus on Good Friday on the sacrifice. And then we're going to come in on Easter and we're going to celebrate on Easter on Saturday at 6 o'clock. So if you would like to attend Saturday at 6 for Easter, we'll be here Saturday at 6. Sunday at 9.30 and 11 and a potential of another one that we'll be adding on. Uh, potentially 8 o'clock is where we're looking at at this point. And so um, if, if you say, hey, 8 o'clock's up my alley. I like, I like 8 o'clock. You holler at me. And uh, we'll see you at 8 o'clock, all right? But uh, you can spread the word. We want to we allow everybody the opportunity. And we realize under this, this new world that we're in, sometimes an overcrowded room is uncomfortable. So we're going to add some extra space there. And so God is good. God is moving. I want to encourage you. There's invites in the, in the foyer. Go to the little round table there. Grab an invite for one side says Good Friday. The other side says Easter. And put that in the hand of somebody. And as always, our services are online. You know, every time we're live, we're online. And I am so thankful for our online ministry. We have a team that works tirelessly. Mike Gilio, he is—he uh, works remotely on this thing. He's watching the stream if there's any problem. Last week, I was watching live. I watched all three services live um, while Chuck was preaching. And so they had a problem on the stream. Mike Gilio is texting the team, and they're, and they're getting, they figure this thing out. So this isn't like, hey, turn the camera on and walk away. These guys do an incredible work, and I know we've all benefited from that. Thank God for our video ministry. What a wonderful team. I want to also say thank you for your giving. God's been gracious to the church. We've been able to meet all of our commitments uh, this year. We've been able to hold strong with our commitments to our missionaries, to, uh, to our team, everything, the church. We're making new advancements for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you uh, as we continue to give to the Lord, as you give either with a box on the wall there, you give online, or you give through the mail. God is doing some incredible things, and I want to say thank you for that. Um, today also I would like to ask you to pray for one of our young people. They're on a missions trip. This is Taylor Slagle. You know Taylor. Taylor is uh, one of our young people. She's a student at Liberty University. 
and she got chosen to be with a group of about 20 people, and they are in Africa right now, if you can believe that. So in the middle of a pandemic, she's on a medical missions trip over in Africa, and uh, I can't wait for her to get back and tell us some stories, and I'm sure her parents can't wait for her to get back either. I saw Mark and Michelle this morning, and uh, they were they were a little, little glossy-eyed, as you can imagine. So I, I want to encourage you, pray for the Slegel family, pray for Taylor. I'm so proud of her out there in the middle of a time like this, uh, making a new advancement for the kingdom of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you. You are so good to us, Lord. I pray that you'll continue your work in our church. We lift up Taylor Slegel to you right now. She's over in Africa right now, Lord, with that team of college students that are using medicine as their mission. I pray, Lord, as they go out there and they, they tell the good news of Jesus and they, they take, take modern, some health, health things to help the people, Lord, I pray that you'll keep them safe, especially in the moment of pandemic worldwide. pray that you'll keep our team healthy down there and keep Taylor healthy, Lord. We lift her parents and her family up to you today, Lord, as they are on this side, patiently waiting uh, to hear good things. God, we ask for our missionaries all around the world, Lord. I, I think of Daniel Gonzalez that we've been talking to a lot lately and just the state of the pandemic down there and their concern and, and just around the world how we're starting to open up. We're starting to feel a little bit more freedom, but many places around the world still are not. And I just ask, Lord, for your people, your servants all over the world, that you put your hand upon them. God, we thank you for your, your great work that you're doing here at this church, God. This is all about you. We thank you for your faithfulness. You've been with us every step of the way. Every step of the way, Lord. So as we look to Easter as a, a marker on our calendar when we can uh, regain and, and take new ground and start to make some offense plays for your kingdom, Lord, I pray you'll put your hand of blessing upon us, that you'll guide us and you'll direct the plays, Lord. And you'll give us the, the wisdom as we move forward and take new ground and bring more people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Be honored and adored. In your name we pray. Amen. the story of Jesus. How would you write a letter? Mark starts out his letter and, and says, I'm going to tell you, not a biography of this man, I'm going to tell you the good news. And in the very first line, he says, this is the gospel that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. This is the good news. And so everything about his letter goes back to that very first statement. How would you write the letter? He starts out by talking about the royal forerunner, John the Baptist. And every king, as you know, had a forerunner. Every king would go out and somebody would come to town and say, the king is coming. The king is coming. John the Baptist was that royal forerunner for Jesus. He was a man that was eating locusts and honey. He was a man that had a, a, a camel's hair and robe on him. And he's out, out in the woods and he's, and he's telling, telling these people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The people had a lot of religion. They understood how to play the game of rules and regulations, but their hearts had been far from God. And as 
Mark starts the story. He tells you about this incredible move of God that John the Baptist is out there and he calls the people to repent and to be baptized. And then Jesus comes along the scene and Jesus comes in and he gets baptized and he didn't need to get baptized for he was sinless. There was no repentance necessary on his part. He wasn't turning from anything. He was the son of God. We are turning to him. And could you imagine that day? All these people were lined up to get baptized. You just got baptized and Jesus is next. Jesus gets baptized and all of a sudden you hear, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the earth stops. Everybody's amazed. And this dove comes down from heaven. Jesus moves on and you're up to get baptized like, that's come that didn't happen for me. It was a royal coronation. It was like God, the Father, was putting his signet on her and saying, this is my son. I am very pleased. And, and what he was showing you was, this is the king. So Mark is writing a letter and he's telling you that this is the king. This is the son of God. He's man, but yet he's God. And he's, he keeps pulling this thing out. And you, you keep seeing this thread. And then last week we, we looked at, at how he chose his disciples. And, and I want to just share one verse from that. Mark chapter 114. After John was put in prison, John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Like if you were writing a story and you wanted to, to get people's attention, wouldn't you start out with something like this? It was a rather dark night. The disciples were out on the boat. The storm was raging, and, and, and Jesus saw them from afar. And then he came walking on the water. Oh, we find that later, but Mark doesn't use that as his hook. Why doesn't he? Or how about the compassionate side? Wouldn't it have been cool if Mark would have started out and said, Well, there he was in the very dust of the air of the men who came and were stoning, ready to stone the woman who they found in adultery. They found her in the very act committing adultery. And they're ready to kill her. They're ready to stone her. And Jesus says, hey, he is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. And, and as one by one they walked away, he got in the ground and he wrote his hand in the sand and probably was writing their sins. Wouldn't you start out like that? Mark writes his letter under the inspiration of God, not with those stories. And those stories are powerful. But he starts it out not trying to fascinate you, but trying to tell you and show you that this is the king. This is the Messiah. Very first verse, the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And so as you look at this, you're going to see this key word. Look at this, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, you'll see this phrase over and over a hundred times in the New Testament. You see this word kingdom of God, this phrase. Uh, Matthew uses it 32 times. He says the kingdom of heaven. Same phrase. Uh, the kingdom of God is used 68 times throughout the other Gospels. And so what he says here, you, you see this, this sense of what is this kingdom of God? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I want you to catch this because the kingdom of God is something that is both present and future. If you're taking notes, that's the first fill in the blank. The kingdom of God is both present and future. And when you think of the kingdom of God, you and I, we typically think of the kingdom of God as I get to go to heaven, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven. And we think 
I get to go to heaven. The kingdom of God. And so there is one aspect of the kingdom of God is heaven forever. Heaven is a real place. It's a wonderful place. And you read Revelation 21, it'll tell you all about heaven and all about what God is doing in heaven and and the place that he's prepared for you. But that's the future kingdom of God for you. There is a present kingdom of God right now. And the present kingdom of God is this life that he's called you to. And if you are waiting, if you have just given over to the kingdom of God for the future and missed the present, you're missing out on so much. There's so much that this king can do for you in, in your life. There's so much that, so much interesting things that will happen in your life when you surrender and understand that it is now and later. It is not only just present, not only now, it is both now and later. It is a position and a place. You know, when you think about this, it's a place that I'm going to go to, but it's also my position right now, um, my position in Christ. And so when you understand who we are in Christ, so Mark's teaching is pretty simple here. Mark's teaching is repent and believe. That's it. Repent, turn from these things over here and believe. Now, whenever Jesus called the disciples... You know, last week Chuck shared with you how that it says immediately that they followed him, right? And, and whenever you watch that, did you ever get like, did you ever read that? I shouldn't say watch it. Whenever you re- read that, you, you, you're like, wait a minute. They're working. It says that they were mending their nets. Jesus says, follow me, and immediately they followed him. Does that ever mess with you? Like, how did that happen? You know what I mean? Like, like I get this idea that they're working. He says, follow me. They go, okay. Right? Um, I, I actually get the, in my mind the, uh, the land of the lost. Do you remember the land of the lost? If you were old enough, you remember that. It used to be on Saturday morning, land of the lost. Remember the sleaze stack? Sleaze slack? <laughs> I get in my mind that like all of a sudden these people are just going to do whatever they're told. And that, that's not what it is here. Uh, the, the disciples that he called, if you go into the other gospels, you'll see that they actually had time. They had heard the message of Jesus. They had listened to it. Uh, Peter, he had been sitting alongside and mending his nets while Jesus was teaching. And, and so, and, and the disciples, they kept hearing the teaching. They had time to Q&A with him. And then, so, I want you to think of these fishermen. These are full-time fishermen. You know, I'm a fisherman. Twice a year. Right? I fish twice a year. I don't catch very many fish. Um, these were fishermen. They went out every day. And when you're a fisherman and you go out every day, I want you to get this. They're moving these wooden boats around. There's nothing modern about what they're doing. They've got the, this net and they throw the net in. And my understanding is that they would throw the net down under the water and had all these kind of weights around it. And they would go down there and they would grab the fish. And sometimes they would actually jump into the water and they would pull the net. And it wasn't, wasn't like, you know, here we are today with all this modern stuff. They would go down. This was heavy work. And so you're talking about some barrel-chested guys here. You're talking about some blue-collar workers that were like, hey, man, they're, they're hard-working guys. They weren't just going to be like, okay, follow. They heard it, and they realized who he was, and they said, okay, we believe there's something there. And something down deep in their heart, when Jesus said, follow me, they said, okay, it's time. And I want you to think about yourself, because maybe you've been, you've been questioning You've been on the journey. You've been thinking about it. And, well, maybe 
maybe God's been talking to you and it's like, okay, I think I'm ready to follow. I want you to catch this because the kingdom of God is something so big. The kingdom of God, what we have to understand is that a king's rule and reign determine his kingdom. A king's rule and reign determine his kingdom. In those days in the, in the, um, the Roman Empire, as, as somebody would take power, they would go and they would conquer a new land and you would only get so far. And then there would be a jurisdiction. Your, your jurisdiction would run out and somebody else would be king of the next territory. The closest thing that I could remind you of is like Pennsylvania, right? We have the state of Pennsylvania. We found out more in this time of pandemic about different jurisdictions, about different rules and reigns. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we live differently than they do in Ohio because the jurisdiction line is only an hour away from us, right? And so you go across that line, gas is cheaper. Life is different. You go down to Florida, it's way different. It's a different jurisdiction, right? So everybody's, uh, and I'm not going to get into that whole mess out there right now, but I'm just telling you, like, the world has different jurisdictions. Well, the rule and reign of Jesus, he was coming and he says, I am setting up the kingdom. And so the disciples would think he's going to be like the king of Israel. And what he was saying was, I'm going to be the king of kings. I'm going to be the Lord of Lords, and I am coming, and I'm looking to rule and reign. And when he said, follow me, he wanted to rule and reign their life, every aspect of their life. And so when, whenever you look at the scriptures here and you see this kingdom of God, you're going to see this come out there because uh, as we, you get to choose if you want to be a citizen of that kingdom or not, if you're going to be under the rule and reign of Jesus. And I want to just remind you this of the authority of Jesus. One day, the, the scriptures tell us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of the Lord. Every tongue will f- confess that Jesus is Lord. One day it's coming, right? So if you if you say, well, I'm not there yet, one day it's coming. And for many people, it will be too late. But one day, every knee, whether in heaven or hell, every knee will bow and realize that he is the Lord. He is God. So the, the authority of Jesus. So what happens next? Mark brings out this kingdom of God. And he takes you over here to Mark chapter 1 verse 21. And, and he's helping you answer this. Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who is, who is he talking about here? Okay. And when you, when you think about this Jesus, he's, he's showing you by how he operates. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, there's my favorite word about this book, immediately. I tell you that all the time. And Mark, it was immediately. This is a book of action. He, Mark's like, hey, listen, he keeps moving. He keeps moving. He went into a town named Capernaum. And I want you to look at the map here. Capernaum, this was in the northern part of Israel. Um, you have the Sea of Galilee to the north. There's the river, and then you have it the, in the southern, the, the Dead Sea. So he was in Nazareth, which was kind of off the map, if you will, a little bit. And so in Nazareth, he was rejected. Scripture says he came into his own town, and his own did not receive him. He was rejected in Nazareth. And so he came out of Nazareth, and he comes up here to Capernaum. He's along the Sea of Galilee. I'll just give you, this is just some fun things here, right? The Sea of Galilee. It's also, in the Old Testament, you'll see it's known as the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, Gennesaret was the Hebrew name for this uh, for this place. 
It was also known as the Lake of Tiberias. That was the, the Roman name, the, the, the Greek name. And so the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and by the way, Gennesaret means harp. And so if you look at the shape of the lake, it kind of looks like a harp, doesn't it? So it's kind of interesting how things get their name. He comes into this town, Capernaum. Capernaum's a, a, a they're, they're not very big towns, but they're, they're, they're small towns and they're, they're fishing communities. And so if you lived along, if you lived in Capernaum, you were, you were fishermen. You, you, uh, you, you knew how to fish. And so, so he's coming up and he's, he's working with a whole lot of strong, hardworking, blue-collared people. And it says that they went into the Sabbath and he entered the synagogue. You know, there, you had the temple and then you had the synagogue. The temple was uh, the place that, uh, you remember, David built the temple. It was a place of worship. And then the Babylonian Empire came over and it overtook the place, right? So uh, as the Babylonian uh, Empire had taken it over, they, the temple needed to be rebuilt. After they came back from the Babylonian Empire, uh, uh, from the Babylonian exile, they rebuilt the temple, but they also added in these smaller places to worship known as synagogues. And the word synagogue just means gathering. So as long as you had ten Jewish people together, they could have a synagogue. So what would happen is in all these little towns, they would go out and they would have synagogues. And so it became the center of life. It became the center of activity. And all this activity that they that would happen, it would be the the teaching on Sunday or Sabbath for them, Saturday, right? They would have their teachings. They would have the courtroom. They would have schooling. This became the whole total center of life. And Jesus walks in and says that he entered the Sabbath and he taught. Now, could you imagine if somebody just walked in here this morning and said, Hey, I got a word from God I'd like to teach today. I'd say, No. Why not? I don't have an answer. No. Okay? Why? Because we protect our teaching. We want you to know what's going on. Nobody gets up here uh, without my... Um, scrutiny, okay, because I want you to know the Word of God. I'm not just having a speaker to make you feel good. We want you to know the Word of God. Let's thank God for the values of our church, amen? That's what God's placed us here for. But when Jesus walked in, this was the Jewish people. They had been running their society. And Jesus comes in, and, and he gets up to teach. And so that's not totally strange in their culture. There was a thing known as the freedom of the synagogue. And what the freedom of the synagogue was this. If you had been uh, learned and schooled and understood the scriptures, they respected that and you could actually speak in their gatherings. So Jesus, he had went through the bar mitzvah. He had went through the schooling. He he understood everything. I mean, he went through their society where he understood the, the scriptures. But when he got up, look what happens here. Check this out. And when they were, when he got up and taught, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. They were amazed because of his authority. And when you think about this, the authority of his word, um, this is what we see here. We see the authority of God's word here. When Jesus taught, he had authority. And so when he spoke, people listened. You know, authority is this. Authority talks about your role. It talks about the dominion. It talks about your jurisdiction, your full right, your, your prerogative. And, and he was able to teach with authority. Jesus taught with absolute conviction. He taught with dominion. He taught with clarity. People responded with wonder. 
You see, the scribes, the scripture says that he, he spoke like they had never heard before. He was not like the scribes. You know how the scribes taught? The scribes would stand up and they'd read a passage from Isaiah. And they would say, now, Rabbi John says this. And Rabbi John, da, 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 da. And Rabbi George says this, da, 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 da. And they would get into minutia. And they would talk details. And all they would do is make you think how smart they were. Jesus came along and he said, I have authority. He didn't have to say it. He spoke with authority. He understood it. Why? It was his father. And when he read from Isaiah and commented on Isaiah, he would speak with clarity. He didn't speak with minutia. He didn't want you to know how smart he was. As a matter of fact, he didn't even at first reveal who he was. He speaks with authority. And the people were amazed. Now check this out. The word amazed there, it uses the word astonished or amazed. It means this here. It means struck out of oneself. That's what it means. Struck out of oneself. And let me give you this. This is the Ken Barner translation, all right? Jesus blew their minds. That's the common way you're going to understand it. Jesus blew their minds. When Jesus was teaching, he blew their minds and people were blown away. They said, we've never heard anybody teach like this. There's something different about the way he's teaching. And so as he's teaching, I want you to catch the picture here because I've read over this many times and missed so much here. They're amazed. They're sitting there. They're quiet. Like when you're in awe, you're like, huh? And you're, they're like, they're taking it all in. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that quietness, look what happens. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He was possessed by a demon. He cried out saying, let us alone. For we, for what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? So first he starts out by scorning him. You're Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't even, they didn't even accept you over, over there. Do you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. And right there, there's this man who's got a demon. He's got an unclean spirit, as the scripture tells us. And there he is. And Jesus has to take charge. And we see right there, just from the very presence of Jesus, we see the authority of his judgment. Right there, God says, you know, the, the, the demon replies back that there, you are the Holy One of God. I want you to take note of this. The very first name you see in the book of Mark is the Holy One of God. And it's not from his disciples. It's not from anybody but a demon. The demons recognize his power. You know what? The disciples, they didn't even recognize totally who he was yet. I think it was not until Jesus actually rose from the dead that they totally comprehended who this is. But the, the demon says, there's the Holy One of God. So you see the authority of his judgment. And then Jesus continues. Look what Jesus does here. He says, but Jesus rebuked him. Like Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't just turn around and deal with it politely. He rebuked him. and He said, be quiet. Come out of him. Now, I've taught for a number of years in some uh, smaller gatherings. I had, had a few people speak out. I remember we did some street meetings in New York City. You know, you go on a street meeting in New York City. Had a guy just yell at me, just speaking out like Jesus is a hoax. And I mean, just telling me all that to my face on the street, you know. But, but that's never happened on a Sunday morning. Right? It's never happened on a Sunday morning, Right? 
Can you imagine what you guys would be like, what? How's he going to do this? I, uh, I was teaching young adults several years ago, and I had a guy just stand up in the middle of a young adult meeting, and he just kind of burst it out because there was a spiritual warfare that was going on in the guy. I'm not saying he was demon-possessed, but I'm telling you, he was, he was struggling with some issues. And, uh, and today, I want you to think about this. Jesus rebuked him. He didn't just turn around and say, now, would you be quiet and come out of that man? No. He turned around. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter. The, the word for that was tectonic. It means that he worked with wood and he shaped things. And if you go and, and understand a little bit about that area where he was at, there wasn't a ton of wood. There's a lot of rock. Tectonic means he shaped things with his hands. So I want you to imagine Jesus. You know, we all have Jesus in the little white robe. I think Jesus, he had some muscles. He was buff. And he looks at that demon and says, be quiet. Now, I want you to think about this. When you're raising kids from time to time, you have these discussions. And they're not intended to be discussions. Like dad will say something and the child will respond when he's not supposed to respond. Do you know what I'm saying yet? You know, Has anybody lived that in your own life? You know, you were on one side of that or not? Okay. So, so like, that, that can happen. So I, I remember a few times in raising children that I would have to say, Be quiet, I'm talking. Right? That's what Jesus did. He says, Be quiet. Number one, because he didn't need a demon going around telling everybody who he was. Can you imagine that? Hey, the demons really know who Pastor Ken is. The demons really like Pastor Ken. The demons are his buddy. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Be quiet. I silence you. Come out of the man. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed, convulsed the man and he cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And right there we see this kingdom of God. If he's the king, he has command. He has reign. I want you to think back whenever Nebuchadnezzar, we talked about Daniel this summer. Nebuchadnezzar was king and he said, if, if you're going to live in my land, you must worship this idol and come out at certain times of the day and bow down to this idol. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, no way, we will not. We will never do that. And they paid a price dearly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go into the fiery furnace. Daniel goes into the lion's den. And, uh, and God protects them every step of the way. But under the king's rule, they had to follow the king's rule. And so when the king was standing there and he commanded the unclean spirit to leave, the unclean spirit left. That's the kind of God that we serve. They were all amazed. As they saw this, you, you witnessed. Now, could you imagine if that happened here? You would be amazed. You'd be standing there. And they were amazed. They, they, Jesus blew their mind. It's the same word here. There's many words that you can use for the word amazed. And in this passage, this word is used here. It's the strongest word. They were blown away. It was so incredible that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? What is this? What new teaching is this? For with authority he commands even the clean, unclean spirits. And they obey him. You, you see, they had never seen a scribe do that. The scribe never needed to have a confrontation with the enemy because the scribe was part of the enemy team. 
And so these people were, were, were demon-possessed and, and kind of cycling into this, into this area there. And, and so when Jesus came in, they saw light for the very first time. They couldn't take it. And Jesus commanded him to be gone. And the people were amazed. They said, man, we've never seen anything like this. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Immediately he became famous. Everybody began to know Jesus cast out a demon. Did you hear about this new teacher? He teaches, and not only is his teaching incredible, we've never heard anybody teach like that, but also this man cast out a demon. We saw this with our own eyes. And so what you see now is you see the authority of his power. And you see that this man, Jesus, is, is, uh, is showing his power here. And so what does Mark do? Mark doesn't start out by fascinating you. He goes back and shows you the royal forerunner. He shows you the, the royal coronation. He shows you how that he has uh, authority in the desert. He, he says no to Satan. So, yeah, for himself he said no. And so he had authority there. Then he has authority over his followers. Most rabbis, they couldn't pick their followers. Jesus picked his followers. Man, this is pretty powerful stuff. He had authority. And then Jesus comes in to teach. And even the unclean spirits, Jesus has authority and they leave. I want you to think about this today. If a king, his kingdom only goes as far as his rule and reign. I want to ask you, is Jesus your king? Like, have, have you given him rule and reign of your whole life? Or did you just pray a prayer hoping to go to heaven when you die? See, the two, there's two different things here. Like, like listen, I, I want you to trust Jesus. I want you to, it's simple childlike faith. He says to, to repent, to turn from these things and trust him. And many people get so confused by that word repent. They think, oh, stop being bad and start being good. No, 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 no. Stop whatever you're doing and turn to Jesus. And when you do, you surrender the authority of Jesus. So I ask you, have you surrendered to the authority of Jesus in your life? Because if he is really God, if he's really king, you see, this is the difference. If he was just a good man, a nice prophet, and taught some good moral things for you, that's one thing. But if he is God, then it demands a response from every one of us. And so I want to take you there today. I want to ask you, have you surrendered to the authority of Jesus in your life? Have you said, come to the place where you, you, yes, it starts with a prayer. It starts with a prayer of surrender. Dear God, I'm turning from my sin to you today. I'm turning from trusting in any other means whereby I may be saved. And I'm coming to you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You rose again, Lord. I am surrendering to you. And I'm giving you the authority of my life. You see, it's, it's real easy to be about our own kingdom, isn't it? You know, I could be all about the kingdom of Ken. Where Ken sits on his own throne, right? And Ken is in charge. And Ken commands his career. Ken commands his relationships. Ken commands everything. Or, I can put Jesus on that throne. And now I serve him. And Jesus is in charge. I want to ask you, maybe you've been following Christ for some time. Maybe there's an area of your life you've been struggling with. And maybe it needs the authority of Jesus. 
could, could it be that like, like God needs to get rid of some things? I'm not saying you have a demon. I'm not saying you're possessed by a demon. If you're a follower of Jesus, the enemy can't possess you. Thanks be to God. Amen? Let's thank him for that. We, he cannot possess us, right? Because the spirit of the living God lives inside of me. But he can sure trip us up. And he can sure put his foot in there. And if I'm living on the island of me, on the kingdom of me, so let's say it's uh, the area of relationships. If I'm putting myself right here, you know, God wrote an instruction manual in this book. This is not just history. There's ways to live in here too. And, and, and here he tells you how to forgive. Sometimes when you're reading that, you don't like it. Have you ever noticed that? Like God says, somebody hurts you and hurts you bad. And God says, I want you to forgive. I want you to let it go. Like God knew that way before Disney did, guys. All right? He said, I want you to let it go. Let this thing go. And, and so, so what you got to do is you got to come and, and, and you know, but you say, but you don't understand. That person hurt me. He destroyed me. He did this. She did this. And, and you go on and on and on about the people that hurt you. And pretty soon, you know, God knows how you're to operate. And he says, I want you to let it go. Uh, maybe you're struggling with some areas of sexuality. You know, the Bible tells us everything about sex. It really does. It tells you, you, you want to know, you know, it talks about immorality. It talks about all forms of sexuality that can trip us up. Listen, you go and you look in the Bible and you say, but I don't like that because I feel differently. It's okay that you feel differently. God says, I'm the king. And if he's king, you're going to give him charge. But but what about my finances? God says I'm supposed to give give to the poor. I'm supposed to give to the church. Uh, give, you know, give to him. And and so I, when I do all that, what, what, hey, if he's king, he's he wants he wants he wants to be in charge. Or is he just another nice prophet that you added to your list? So I want to ask you today: Who's on the throne of your heart? Is Jesus really the king? You know, I know many people that, uh, that are all excited about the kingdom of God being a destination. But they didn't realize that it's a destiny. The kingdom of God is a destiny. And as the kingdom of God moves forward in your life, you actually get set free. I have, uh, I have many people that I know that are suffering today because they're only thinking about the destination. They're not realizing the destiny. And I want to encourage you, church, watching online, here in the building, let's make this. Let's let Jesus be king of my life today. And when you struggle with these things, I want you to know it's okay that you struggle. You think I don't struggle with some of the things in this Bible? We all struggle with that. Why? Because we're sinners. We, we naturally do the opposite of what God wants us to do. But he gave you an instruction manual. And so many times we don't want to read the directions. You know, how, how many of you wives would say that your husbands love directions? Raise your hand. Not one. I saw, in the first hour, one guy, he helped his wife raise her hand. <laughs> I was like, I like that guy. Why is that? Because we, we got this, right? And so I want to encourage all of us to take the instruction manual 
and let him have jurisdiction. Let him expand his rule and reign in your life because this isn't just pray some prayer and go to heaven when you die, folks. That prayer is the beginning. That's called the prayer of surrender. I'm going to lead you to pray that today if you haven't done that. But I'll tell you what, that's the first step. If you want to really enjoy the life of Christ, surrender. Let him be king. Even in those areas that you struggle with, even in those areas that you disagree with. Because one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus. He is remarkable. Like this was no ordinary man. This wasn't just another teacher. He says he wants to be in charge. And and he's not this ogre in the sky. He is the God of the universe that cares very much about you. The scripture says he knows your name. He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows everything about you. And yet God has called you. So today I want to invite you to trust him. Would you, if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to start that relationship with God. I don't totally understand it. I'm even a little bit afraid of him having total charge. But today I'm, I'm ready to start the journey. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And I'd like to ask you to pray that with me right now. And just tell God what your, what, what your heart is saying. I'm ready to follow you. So pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a And I know that you are the Savior. You are the King. And God, I surrender right now to your kingship. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you in here right now, Lord. And if you just pray with me, that's the first step. That's called the prayer of surrender. I want to encourage you to keep watering that. Keep growing that. Go home and read the book of Mark. 16 chapters. You can read it in an hour. Uh, we have Bibles on in the foyer. Please take one of them home. Go home and read it. And, and read for yourself. And see who this Jesus is. See how remarkable he is. And see that whenever you give him the reins, how you actually benefit. Maybe there's others in here. You've been following Christ and you've been thinking more about the the destination than the destiny. And I want to invite you today to give some of those areas back to Jesus. Maybe it's an area of relationship. Maybe it's an area of finances. It's an area of career. It's an area of, of, uh, of desire. It's an area of passion. It's an area of sexuality. Whatever. Come to, you, come to God today and give this to Him and lay this at His feet and say, Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to let you be the king of my life. And even though I'm struggling with these areas, God, I so much have tried to fix this on my own. But God, I'm going to let you be in charge of my life. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person in this place. God, so many people in our family, Lord, are in need of you, Lord, whether it's uh, whether people are coming to you for the first time, Lord. Many people have joined us and prayed today online. Others have prayed in the building, Lord. And this is their first step. Like, yes, it made sense. Like Peter and John, they said, yes, I'm going to follow you. And this was their day. 
And Lord, while we watched the disciples, they struggled. They were up and down all over the place. Um, God, we just ask that you help us as we give more and more jurisdiction to you in our life. As we hand more and more, let you have your will, your reign in our life. I pray that you will do something powerful, Lord, as, uh, as we surrender to the king, to the kingship, to your reign. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Aren't you glad to be here? God is so good. God bless you. You are dismissed. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight, the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky. Mind awakes, no words come to fill.
face Cause words They don't do your power much justice It's too great Too great to be bound By little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes Think we understand the fullness of your glory By calling you this and that But the reality Is that we can't fully comprehend How you can be all of who you are And think of us You think of me Job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do 